Hello and welcome to the MJ Take Podcast presented by Sports Fan Entertainment here on September 29, 2020. I missed last week because my sinuses were going crazy, people, and you did not want to hear that situation as we moved into the fall equinox. My nose and my sinuses and my allergies did not agree then. They agree now. So I'm in much better condition to have another podcast episode for you all. NFL Week 3 is in the books. The 2020 NBA Finals are approaching. I'm going to talk both of those topics today. You all know the usual format. We have our Keeping It 100 series where I talk about each and every NFL game of the week. But this week, there's going to be a slight exception. I'm going to start this podcast by giving a quite extensive recap of the Monday night football game featuring the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Baltimore Ravens because it was quite the matchup, quite the anticipated matchup, and it certainly needs more than 100 seconds. And then we'll get into my Keeping It 100 series. We'll go 100 seconds or less for the other 15 games from NFL Week 3. Now, as I said, the Kansas City Chiefs versus Baltimore Ravens Monday Night Football matchup, it was highly anticipated. Patrick Mahomes, the second, versus Lamar Jackson, the two former MVPs, the AFC contenders. You either picked the Chiefs or the Ravens, most of you, to make it out of the AFC. This was a matchup that we highly anticipated. And it kind of fell flat. Now we had a second half comeback by the Ravens. One of which I actually anticipated. Now they got a little lucky that one of the Chiefs running backs fumbled. Now why a running back whose name was not Clyde Edwards Elaire was in the game is beyond me. But they got lucky on that. And yes, they had the Devin DuVernay kickoff return for a touchdown actually in the first half that kept them in the game at all. But I still anticipate it because this is the Ravens' move. Even when they get beat, they're going to put up second-half points. They're going to at least give an effort. Yes, the Titans beat them 28-12 to in that divisional matchup. That was oh so sweet for us Titans fans in last year's playoffs. But even in that game, the Ravens' offense looked much better in the second half than it did in the first half, right? This is what they do. Lamar Jackson. You know, me and Lamar Jackson have gone back and forth. I mean, not really. I mean, it's really just been me hating on Lamar Jackson throughout most of his career. And this guy has proven me wrong in a lot of circumstances. But there was a reason why I picked the Chiefs to win the game. And I thought they were going to win by like a field goal. But there was a reason why I had the Chiefs winning this game. And although I picked the Ravens over the Chiefs in the eventual AFC Championship game, why I'm now fearful for that matchup yet again. Because Lamar Jackson, for some reason, this guy, he just cannot show up in these big games. Because in these playoff games, or in these playoff atmosphere games, because this is a playoff atmosphere, for the most part. There were no fans, I understand that. But this was a playoff atmosphere, a much-anticipated matchup, a matchup in which the pressure is on, a matchup in which the world is watching. And yet again... In this format for Lamar Jackson, he could not show up. He was horrible. Again. But I will actually grant him this. I thought he was better in this game 
than he was in the divisional matchup against the Tennessee Titans. You know what? I will actually grant that. In the divisional game against the Tennessee Titans, he was pretty awful. I mean, he was pretty terrible. Last night, you could at least give an argument here and an argument there that, hey, Mark Andrews should have had that touchdown pass. That, hey, Marquise Brown wasn't running the best routes. That, hey, the running backs weren't really playing very well. Mark Ingram hasn't really shown up this season yet. And I would believe you with all of those arguments. But at the end of the day, dude, his stat line was 15 to 28 for 97 yards. How do you throw for 97 yards on 28 pass attempts? How did he miss Marquise Brown on that deep pass in the third quarter? Because for some reason, this guy, for some reason, this guy just can't put together the mechanics in the biggest moment. He's a momentum quarterback, period. And when the momentum is not there or when he cannot manufacture it, he is in trouble. The Ravens are in trouble. And they just can't get it done. This is now the third time we've seen a major collapse from Lamar Jackson. The first being his rookie year. And we granted it. We said, okay, it was your rookie year. Fine. You can do that your rookie year in that divisional round game against the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay, fine. And actually, maybe with a wild card game, actually. Excuse me. He's in the wild card divisional. Could have been divisional, actually. I can't remember exactly which one. We said, fine, though. Okay, we're going to allow that. We're going to excuse that today. But then, last year in the divisional round against the Titans, and that was most definitely a divisional round game against the Titans. The same thing. Awful. Terrible first half. Non-existent first half. And not just non-existent. I mean, we're talking... Just horrible, like barely even on the stat sheet, barely passing for 50 yards. He's done this three times. I mean, you don't see Patrick Mahomes if people want to compare him to doing that. Patrick Mahomes will be down 24 to 0 against Houston Texans. He won't be 5 of 15 for 25 yards while doing so. What is with this guy? They game plan to keep him in the pocket, to do quarterback contain, to stop the run early, or at least at least minimize the run game for the Ravens early, force him to make throws to the outside to his wide receivers. He can't do it. I will also say the Ravens personnel on the outside, I don't love. I like Hollywood Brown. People keep expecting him to break out. It's not going to happen with Lamar Jackson, a quarterback, I'll tell you that. And moreover, it's not going to happen with the rest of the wide receivers because who else do they have in Baltimore? This is the reason they drafted Devin DuVernay, who doesn't actually play much on the offensive field. Mark Andrews, look, he's a nice tight end. Look at the drop that he had in the end zone yesterday. Miles Boykin, Willie Sneed. There's a reason why the Saints moved on from Willie Sneed. The Ravens don't have the talent on the outside, and combined with Lamar Jackson's ability to throw on the outside, you have this storm that keeps happening with Lamar Jackson where they just can't get it done. 
in these big games. Again, this is the third time, just disastrous collapses, and you just have to wonder, is he ever going to show up in these games? I'm, I have not seen anything like this. Peyton Manning was bad in, in you know, high-profile playoff games. He was not this bad. Andrew Luck was bad in high-profile games for the most part. He had some very impressive ones, too, like the comeback against the Kansas City Chiefs. But for the most part, he was bad, people. He had more interceptions than touchdowns in playoff games. I have not seen anything like this. Like LeBron James, people used to criticize LeBron James in the playoffs. He was not like this. I mean, this is incredibly bad. He needs to put it together in these games. He can't keep showing up and choking up in games like this. Even in Louisville, remember Louisville versus Clemson, that much-anticipated ACC matchup when Lamar Jackson was going for the Heisman? Even that was a dud. I don't know why he and this Ravens team cannot figure it out when it comes to these high-profile games. But I'm tired of being much-anticipated these Lamar Jackson playoff games or big games in the regular season and him not showing up. Now, granted, he looked pretty good at Kansas City last year. Okay, yes, he looked pretty good in that game in the regular season. Didn't win the game, but he looked decent in that game. They also, I want to say, lost to the Browns also last season, which was a weird loss in and of itself. Why is it in these high-profile matchups Lamar Jackson cannot show up? They need to figure this out. Whereas for the Kansas City Chiefs, you have to be impressed. You have to be thoroughly impressed by the Kansas City Chiefs. You have to be thoroughly impressed by Patrick Mahomes. Now, everyone wants to crown Patrick Mahomes as this generation's Michael Jordan, as the NFL's Michael Jordan. Well, I say, hold on one second. Before you do that, and Mahomes is great, there is one man that right now is sitting in this league, that is playing in this league right now, that is on pace for over 70 passing touchdowns this season season and his name is not Patrick Mahomes his name is Russell Wilson and I said before the season and I'll say today Russell Wilson is still my number one quarterback in this league because while Mahomes is great I shake and I shiver to wonder who or what Russell Wilson could do in an Andy Reid offense, where right now, yes, he has DK Metcalf, who, by the way, is still not a very developed wide receiver in terms of what I'm seeing on the field. Yes, what a magnificent athletic talent. His route running still coming along. That offense is still inconsistent overall. The offensive line is not good. But Russell Wilson is carrying them to being on pace for over 70 passing touchdowns. Mahomes is great. He has Andy Reid. Andy Reid made Michael Vick look like an MVP candidate. Andy Reid made Donovan McNabb, some would argue, a Hall of Famer. He's not going to make the Hall of Fame, but that's what some people would argue. One of the best Eagles quarterbacks of all time, right? This is what Andy Reid did. Andy Reid made Alex Smith a very, very, very good quarterback in this league, sometimes rivaling an MVP candidate. Mahomes would be great without Andy Reid. But would he throw a couple more interceptions? Oh, you bet. Would he look a lot more like Aaron Rodgers at times where he'll have seasons where he's not magnificent, where he's struggling, where he's relying on the defense in the run game a little bit? Yeah, he'd look a little more like Aaron Rodgers has looked like in recent years. Still to be great. But I'm just saying, Russell Wilson... And the degree of difficulty that he's playing with in Seattle right now and still having better stats than Pat Mahomes? Oh, give me Russell Wilson right now over Pat Mahomes. They're both great. 
and hopefully we get to see a Russell Wilson versus Patrick Mahomes matchup in the Super Bowl, and we'll see who can get that second ring. That would be a sight to see. So with that said, that will do it for the Monday Night Football Game Recap. And now, let's get into each and every other game from NFL Week 3 in our series, Keeping It 100. Well, we keep it 100 and we talk about each and every single game from the week's games in the NFL. And we begin with the Thursday Night Football Game, the Miami Dolphins at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Dolphins got it done 31 to 13. And people, I believe I had this. I told you all in my picks video that I had the Dolphins winning this game, Jaguars losing this game, because the Dolphins are still better close than the Jasper Jaguars right now. The, uh, the Dolphins were due for a win, and Ryan Fitzpatrick was due for one of his great Ryan Fitzpatrick performances. That's what we saw. Jaguars made mistakes. Dolphins didn't. You're starting to see the Dolphins defense a little bit showing signs of life in the past couple weeks, so you're happy to see that if you're a Dolphins fan. Offense won't really take off until Tua Tungavailoa comes into the fold. Hopefully that happens soon. Whereas for the Jazz with Jaguars, well, you see, this is who we thought you were. That's why I told Jaguar fans, don't get too excited because you're one week one, okay, against the Indianapolis Colts. Impressive victory, fine, I guess. The Colts are two and one. You're the only loss that they've had. But guess what? You lost last week. You lost this week. You're one and two. You're going to lose next week. You're going to be one and three and hit it right back for the Trevor Lawrence tanking debate. I don't know why Jaguar fans got their hopes up, but that's why they're Jazz for Jaguar fans. Nothing else to do in North Florida. Keeping it 100. We move on to the next game. We have the Chicago Bears against the Atlanta Falcons, where Mitchell Trubisky got benched for Nicholas Foles. Saint Nick, that big dick Nick is back. In the fold for, no, actually not even back in the fold. He now enters the fold for the Chicago Bears. He's back in the NFL. I mean, why would the Bears even start Trubisky this season? If this is how short the leash was for Mitchell Trubisky, the, oh, this guy, the minute he plays horrible, I don't care if we're undefeated. I don't care if it's three games into the season. The minute Trubisky plays poorly and we're losing, yank him. Well, why even start him? What did you want him to do? Just come out and be an MVP? That was that his only hope of keeping the job? You should have started Nick Foles in the very beginning. But Foles came in, did a great job, started. Uh, I mean, didn't start, but did a good job coming in and won the game for the Bears. You have to love that. Tariq Cohen, though, did tear his ACL. That's going to hurt a little bit for the Bears. Atlanta Falcons, I mean, it's time to fire Dan Quinn. I mean, you have got to move on from Dan Quinn at this point. You cannot allow for this to continue. Now, two back-to-back horrible, horrible, horrible collapses for the Atlanta Falcons. And this one was also similar to the Super Bowl loss. Matt Ryan taking a sack that puts them damn near out of field goal range. Matt Ryan missing a deep pass that would have won them the game. The, the, the absolute per persistence to continue to throw the ball despite being up 16 with like eight minutes left. I don't understand this Falcons team. Dirk Cutter wasn't there for the Super Bowl loss, but he's there now and a horrible mistake for Dirk Cutter. Falcons, time to move on for Dan Quinn. Keeping it 100. Moving on to the next game, we have the San Francisco 49ers against the New York Giants. And how about these Giants? Man, they stink. I mean, they are awful. And now they are nearing now a historically bad run. I mean, how are they still this bad? This is now going to be the third year of being just god awful. I mean, of just being awful. And this is just this is just years after they were 11 and five and made the playoffs. After that, after the damn boat, remember when they went to Florida, got on that damn boat? That boat ruined the New York Giants franchise. 
I mean, I've never seen anything like it. What, what was on that boat, Scooby-Doo? I mean, I've never seen anything this cursed. Because ever since they got off that boat, this Giants team has been a horrible disaster. The worst team in the league, by far. Because the Browns have bounced back. The Jaguars have shown signs of life. Hell, they actually were actually good that first year after the Giants did their whole you know boat collapse. I mean, who's been this bad over the last three years, except for the Giants? I mean, it's they're the worst team in the league with no signs of hope. Saquon Barkley's out. Oh, I'd be depressed if I was a Giants fan. 49ers continue to run along. Raheem Mostert doing his thing. Nick Mullins carrying, you know, in the team thus far. Man, the NFC West is tough as right now each and every team is a winning team. And you're looking ahead, man. I don't know if any of these teams are going to be under 500. What a difficult division the NFC West will be this season as we keep it 100. Next game, we have the Cincinnati Bengals and the Philadelphia Eagles as they tie. Donovan McNabb cannot believe this again, as I think it was the Eagles and Bengals matchup where they tied back in like 2008 or whatever year it was. Donovan McNabb still cannot believe this. Uh, you know, this game was horrible. It was a terrible game to watch, but for Eagle fans, you're 0-2-1. I cannot believe that Doug Peterson did not go for it on that fourth and 12 that he punted the ball uh, away to the Bengals with 16 seconds left. Dog, run a play. Because at the very least, you're gonna move the clock down to, I'd say 11, 10 seconds, right? 10, 11 seconds, okay, if the Bengals beat you by one play, then fine. But they'd have to get a play out of bounds or at least run up and spike it, they're not gonna beat you. You have to give your offense a chance to win the game. There's only 16 seconds left in your midfield. The Bengals will have one pass play, one pass. They're not going to beat you. You have to try to win the game there. Incredibly horrible coaching by Doug Peterson there. Carson Wentz stinks right now. Cincinnati Bengals, I actually saw improvement from Joe Burrow in this game. You know, I've been a little critical of Joe Burrow early in his career, but he played well in this game. I'm seeing signs of improvement. He's starting to push the ball down the field. Love that. The problem in this game was the offensive line continued to be terrible. I think he got sacked like, numerous times, like over five times. So they definitely need to figure that out, but I liked the step forward that I saw from Joe Burrow in this game. Next game as we keep it 100. We have the Las Vegas Raiders at the New England Patriots, and the Patriots got it done 36 to 20. The Patriots defense really just grinded this game out, got the fumble return at the end to pretty much since the game at that point. Raiders offense showed its limitations against the very talented Patriots secondary that had to bounce back after that embarrassing performance against the Seattle Seahawks, whereas Russell Wilson, you know, he just embarrasses everybody, but still an embarrassing performance nonetheless. Raiders showing they still have some steps to go, whereas the Patriots are showing they're still AFC kind of contenders. You know, they're still kind of contenders. They're right there with the Titans, the Steelers, and the Bills, and all those teams are trying to prove they're as good as the Ravens and the Chiefs. I mean, I think you're already talking about how many teams is that right there? Six? Six playoff teams? We could probably almost lock up at this point. Between the, between the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Steelers, the Bills, and the Titans, those are six playoff teams. Who's next? It's going to be the Raiders or the Browns. And right now, that's what we're looking at in the Colts. Colts are also in there. But those six teams right now are separating themselves to me in the AFC as we continue to keep it 100. Next game, we had the Tennessee Titans at the Minnesota Vikings. Titans just scraping away here as Timmy Goskowski had his six field goals, including the game-winning 55-yard field goal with his sock off. He continues to be improving for the Titans and now looks to be a reliable kicker in this league yet again. Great news for the Titans. Horrible news for the Vikings. 
where the Vikings are now 0-3, where the Vikings are now reeling. And next week they face the Houston Texans, hopefully, where the Houston Texans are currently potentially, or sorry, as the Minnesota Vikings may be facing some potential coronavirus issues as three Tennessee Titans players came down with coronavirus. We have a, we have a full video about that up on the Sports Fan Entertainment YouTube channel. Vikings have to step it up, but the very least you saw in this game, wide receiver Justin Jefferson, the rookie out of LSU, the man that you effectively traded Stephon Diggs for. He showed up 175 receiving yards for Justin Jefferson in this game. Breakout performance for him and a career high for Dalvin Cook. So that was very good news for the Vikings as well. So there is signs of life for this Vikings team. There's a reason I have them going 7-9. It's because I believe they'll go 7-9. I still think they could go 500 from here on out. And that would be 7-6 they'd have to go to go 7-9. And I still think that is absolutely in the cards. And this, all, and this game did definitely show that the offense has signs of life, but the secondary just needs to fix its issues right now. And as Jeff Gladney and the younger cornerbacks get more experience, they'll solve themselves. Next game, we have the Washington football team at the Cleveland Browns. And okay, Washington fans, come on, football team fans. It's time for you guys to come to the dark side. Okay, Dwayne Haskins. Stinks. It's okay. It's all right. I'm gonna be here for you. Okay. It's okay. I know it's not easy to admit. I know. I understand. I understand. He stinks. Okay. The guy is just not gonna make it in this league. The level of play that we're seeing at quarterback in this league right now is insane. I mean, it's absolutely—it's way too high for Dwayne Haskins right now. Every single quarterback in this league right now is playing better than Dwayne Haskins. Justin Herbert is playing much better than Dwayne Haskins. And he's, even Herbert is still raking him on one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. We excuse Herbert because he's a rookie. We excuse Burrow because he's a rookie. What's Dwayne Haskins' excuse? He's still in his first 16 games, I think. That's about it. I mean, Dwayne Haskins just doesn't have the answers, dog. He's just not going to make it in this league. Poor interceptions. I mean, I mean, the interceptions last week, so, so, so poor. I guess the Cleveland Browns, three interceptions in this game, two of which were two of the worst interceptions that I've seen this year. Dwayne Hassan just doesn't have it, and as soon as the Washington team can figure that out, the better they'll be. Whereas for the Cleveland Browns, good step forward for them, you know, making themselves a winning team once again, making themselves 2-1 here. I think this is the best record they've had to start the season in a number of seasons, so that's good news for them. Baker Mayfield holding on to the Rock, Odell Beckham getting involved, Jarvis Landry, not so much, but the defense showing signs of life too, so you have to like that if you are a Cleveland fan. Next game, we have the Houston Texans at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, I had the Texans winning this game, and it looked like, oh, it's such a good prediction when the game started. They started out so strong. I want to say they led 21 to 7, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say. And Deshaun Watson was leading them there. But then in the second half, the offense just fell asleep. They couldn't get anything going, couldn't get the ball moving. And then the Steelers just kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. And the Steelers' defense, oh, there's a reason why I had T.J. Watt 
winning defensive player of the year man this guy is an absolute beast i think he's a top three defensive player in the league right now it's him it's aaron donald and then you could put whoever else you want there to be honest with you but i think tj watt is an absolute beast i love this guy one of the most exciting and fun players to watch in this league right now and the titans are facing the Steelers this week hopefully assuming again those coronavirus 2019 cases do not prevent that matchup from occurring and I'm very afraid because the Steelers team is playing tight. Now, they haven't been blowing people out, right? They only beat the Giants by 10. They beat the Texans by 7 here. They beat the Broncos by 5 in Week 2. But I think their wins have been more impressive than the Tennessee Titans wins. Whereas for the Houston Texans, now 0-3. And this is a team that's been known to come back from poor starts. I can't remember what the record was. I want to say they started like 1-4 a couple years ago and still went 11-5 and made the playoffs. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was a poor record that they started with. At least they were like 1-3, I remember that. And they still won 11-5 and made the playoffs. So they're still a danger, they're still a threat, and these were three difficult games they had to start the season, but they're going to have to wake up immediately or Bill O'Brien is finally going to be let go. And as Titans fans, I don't want that. All right, next game we have the LA Rams against the Buffalo Bills. Wow, what a whirlwind of a game here. What a roller coaster of a game here. As the Buffalo Bills were up in this game 28-3, and then all of a sudden you look up, the Rams are up 32-28. Bills are driving down, a controversial pass interference call at the end of the game. Bills win the game 35-32. Bills move to 3-0 in this one. Again, I think right now the third best team in the AFC with a close fourth being the Patriots. I think this AFC East is actually going to end up being quite fascinating between the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. And yes, I don't have the tie-ins up there with the Patriots anymore, unfortunately for me. But, you know, we'll see as time moves on. You know, but I must say, Josh Allen continues to look great. I mean, he's up there for the MVP debate. I have him third right now behind, I'd say, Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. I have him third. He's playing fantastic, playing great. For the Rams, though, I think this is kind of a win. You know, for you, to got, for you guys to show as much fight as you did traveling to Buffalo, you know, being down 28 to three to fight back. Cooper Cup showed great signs of life. This offense continuing to work well. And your next two matchups, I think you're facing the New York Giants and the Washington football team. Those two should be wins. You should be four and one very soon. The Rams are still a strong team in this league. Super Bowl contender, probably not but still a playoff team right now. And that's more expectation than I had for them heading into this season. So if you're a Rams fan to me, you must be happy. We move on to the next game as we keep it 100. We have the Indianapolis Colts embarrassing the New York Jets 36 to seven. You know what? I said the Giants stink earlier and they certainly do. But the New York Jets are right there. Trevor Lawrence can go ahead and book his flight to the Big Apple because it's between the Jets and the Giants to see who wants Trevor Lawrence's you know, uh, talent next season. And this is what I'm talking about because a lot of people would pause me and say, wait a minute, but they have quarterbacks. They have Sam Donald and they have Daniel Jones. People look around the league. Everyone has quarterbacks right now. Literally everyone. And these two men, Daniel Jones and Sam Donald are two of the worst quarterbacks in the league, period. It's not about having talent anymore. Jameis Winston's on the bench. Marcus Mariota's on the bench. There's too many talented quarterbacks everywhere. It's not good enough anymore. The Jets and the Giants are absolutely both in the Trevor Lawrence race. If you don't think so, you're ignorant. There's way too many good quarterbacks right now. And the Jets, look, their issues go way beyond Sam Darnold. 
And I think Donna will actually find a starting job outside of the Jets. I can't say the same for Jameis Winston. I can't say the same for Marcus Mariota and some other, you know, the guys that have busted in recent years. I do think I can say the same about Sam Darnold because he has the Adam Gaze curse. But look, the curse got Ryan Tannehill, and it took Tannehill half a season to start, but then after half a season, he started. I see a similar face for Sam Darnold as this Jets team is an absolute disaster. Braxton Berrios was the only wide receiver out there, damn near. Uh, as for the Colts, great win here, strong win here. Definitely bouncing back after that week one loss with two consecutive wins here. Continuing to compete with the Titans in the AFC South. And how about Mo Ali Cox? having another strong game for this Colts offense. Moving on to the next game as we keep it 100. We have the Carolina Panthers defeating the LA Chargers 21 to 16. Teddy Bridgewater leading the Panthers to victory here despite not having Christian McCaffrey. Justin Herbert looks good, people. And this could have been an easy win. I don't want to say an easy win, but it could have been a win for the Chargers if Austin Eckler could have caught the ladder at the end of the game. If you didn't see the highlight, go check it because the Chargers had a brilliant chance to win the game at the very last play, but then Austin Eckler could not come down with the lateral. But I think you have to be impressed with the development of Justin Herbert. He looks more impressive than Joe Burrow to me right now, to be honest with you. Looks miles better than Dwayne Hassis, as I've said earlier in this very podcast. And this Chargers defense looks good. So even though the Chargers are not going to win many games this year, and I had this before the season, I had them going like 5-11, and 11, this is a team that you need to look out for in years to come. Because as long as they can get Herbert comfortable now, add a couple pieces to this, you know, habitually terrible offensive line. I mean, it's just so habitually terrible. I mean, it's just ridiculous at this point when it comes to the Chargers offensive line. If they can do that and keep this defense, keep Bosa, keep Ingram, you know, it sounds like, you know, Chris Harris is going to be out for, you know, the next 46 weeks, which is unfortunate, but, pro- you know, try to re-sign him and keep some of your young corners and Duran James actually get him healthy. This Chargers team could be a low-key playoff team next year, but this year, no. Nah. Okay, this year, it's not bad. We move on to the next game. Detroit Lions at the Arizona Cardinals. Lions getting it done 26 to 23. And this is what the Lions do, man. This is why they are so frustrating, man. As you're just sitting here picking games, you know the Lions are going to win the occasional game. You don't know which one. You just sit back and say, eh, probably not this one, and then they show up and they win. You know, Matthew Stafford played well. You know, Kenny Galladay played well. I still don't understand why they're running, 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 running Adrian Peterson so much. It doesn't make sense to me. The guy's, you know, at his NFL graveyard at this point. He's damn near out of the league. And you're playing him over your, your second-year guy, Carryon Johnson. Now a third-year guy, I want to say, Carryon Johnson. But, you know, definitely a guy that you had, you know, you, you spent a second-round pick on, a guy that you had high confidence in. And I think DeAndre Swift is injured, but still, are you just – is Carryon Johnson just out? Is he done? Are we finished with Carryon Johnson? Trade him to the Titans, please. I would love to have Carryon Johnson on the damn Tennessee Titans. Can we make that phone call? I don't know what the Lions are doing in terms of the development as a franchise. We look at the Arizona Cardinals. This was the peg you guys needed to be knocked down a little bit because although I like the Cardinals right now, I love you know how they're getting DeAndre Hopkins involved. I like how Kyler Murray's been playing overall, though he did not play well in this game at a number of interceptions. One of which was not on him, but the other two were. I do think that they're not as good as some people are hyping them up to be. Like, they could be a 10-ish win team, but there was some talk of 12 or 13 wins, and forget about that. That's nonsense. They're not there yet. Defense is still too inexperienced in getting it together. But for the Lions, a good little win here. But it does kind of delay the end of Matt Patricia, which you certainly do not like. We move on to the next game as we keep it 100. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beating the Denver Broncos 28-10. Strong victory here for the Buccaneers as... 
their offense starts to get it together a little bit. You saw Tom Brady hitting Rob Gronkowski, who, by the way, cannot move. I mean, Rob Gronkowski cannot move. The guy is a rock. Okay, not in a good way. You know, he just, he, the route running isn't there. The elusiveness isn't there. None of that's there right now when you look at Rob Gronkowski. At. I, I don't know why they signed this guy outside of just the familiarity between him and Brady, but he's not even a goal line weapon at this point. I don't think he's even scored a touchdown at this point. Do you own Rob Gronkowski in fantasy at this point? Are you a moron? I mean, come on. You know, just, you have O.J. Howard. Use O.J. Howard. That's much better use of your time than throwing to Rob Gronkowski. But Chris Godwin did get injured, so we have to monitor that moving forward. But Mike Evans and Tom Brady look to be forming a nice little duo in chemistry there. For the Broncos, Jeff Driscoll was awful. They're moving on to Brett Ripien, okay, the undrafted free agent from last year. We're going to see how that goes for the Broncos. I don't know about that one, Chief, but the Broncos are desperate. They've done this multiple times before, in the, especially in the past number of years with John Elway. They just move on to a new quarterback. They don't care, so... We'll see how it works for them. But this, you know, kind of anticipated year for the Denver Broncos, for a lot of Broncos fans. Uh, anything but, as now, you guys are looking like a four or five win team at best. At best, five wins. Maybe six. As Darrell Casey also tore his bicep. He's going to be out for the season. Cortland Sutton out for the season. Drew Locke injured for another three, four weeks. Oh, a disastrous year for the Denver Broncos in 2020. Moving on to the next game, we have the Dallas Cowboys losing to the Seattle Seahawks 38-31. But you know what? Hey, the Cowboys gave up a great fight. This is what I had. I thought they were going to cover the five-point spread. They didn't. But this is what I had. For the Seahawks, man, this is why Russell Wilson is the MVP. And by the way, he should have had six touchdowns in this game. But DK, Donkey Kong, Metcalf had to drop the ball right before the goal line. This would have been a six touchdown game for Russell Wilson, okay? I mean, this guy is just a cheat code. I mean, do people know how well this man is playing? Uh, you people are watching him, right? Look, I know Mahomes is playing great. You people are watching Russell Wilson, correct? Your eyes are open, they're, they're, they're looking, they're surveying the field, because if they are, you'll see that we're seeing one of the most masterful, and I think the most masterful, beginning to a season I've ever seen in my life at the quarterback position. He's playing that well. It is incredible. It's been flawless from Russell Wilson thus far. It's been so amazing to see. For the Cowboys, look, you lost to the Seahawks, you lost to the Rams, both on the road, both strong NFC West teams. You're going to look at these teams in two weeks. Rams are going to be 4-1. Seahawks are either going to be undefeated still, 5-0, or 4-1. And you can look back and say, well, we can live with that. You know, we're okay with that. You're going to have to start stringing along some wins here. But, I mean, look at this NFC least. Okay, I mean, this NFC East right now is horrible. It is awful. I've never seen it this bad. And that's saying something. Because we have seen this division be bad in years past. But, I mean, legitimately, with the Eagles 0-2-1 right now, Washington 1-2, and, and Cowboys 1-2, and I mean, do we think that, I think the Cowboys are going to be 500 above. And I think uh, they're going to be 10-6, to, to be quite honest with you. I still have that much faith in them. But do we honestly think that any one of those other teams are going to be 7-9? and nine? Like, I think, I think they're going to win going away. 7-9, 7-8-1 for the Eagles would be a stretch right now how they look right now so cowboys will run away with this division no reason to panic in the big b we move on to the next game and this will be the last game today green bay packers at the new orleans saints as the packers got it done 37 to 30. 
and I had this one. I told you all that the Packers plus, I'm gonna say it was three and a half or plus three. It was obvious money, big money, easy money to me with Michael Thomas out for this game. Now I will say this, Drew Brees had much more life in this game than I had anticipated. Okay, Drew Brees looked pretty damn good in this game. Alvin Kamara looked great, still has his incredible center of gravity. I, I don't get this guy. How does this guy have so much balance? I've never seen anything like Alvin Kamara. The guy's an absolute beast, but it wasn't enough. Aaron Rodgers, man, this guy is a man on a mission. And despite not getting any productivity from the first or second round draft picks, the Green Bay Packers are once again Super Bowl contenders in an NFC where the Saints are struggling. The Bucks are looking strong, but they're still figuring out their chemistry issues. The Cowboys are having their chemistry issues. The Rams are good, but I don't think the Super Bowl contenders. And the Seahawks look very similar to the Packers right now. And the Packers beat the Seahawks last year in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think you're talking about the Packers and the Seahawks right now on top of the NFC. Saints still lingering around. Buccaneers still looking around. But right now, in the 49ers, uh, you know, we'll see with this grapple situation. We'll see with this grapple situation before we really assess the 49ers. But the Packers look good, and Aaron Rodgers looks to be as an MVP candidate this season. So that's going to do it as we keep it 100 for NFL Week 3. All right, so with that said, that's going to do it for keeping it 100. But then we move on to the NBA Finals, the 2020 NBA Finals, where my Los Angeles Lakers take on the Miami Heat. Now, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I did not anticipate this matchup this season. I mean, the Miami Dolphins, we all thought, oh, sorry, the Miami Heat. See, this is what happens when I move from the NFL to the NBA. The Miami Heat, we all thought were going to be a playoff team. Some would have said as high as the third seed. They ended up being the fifth seed. Some would have said as high as the third seed. If you're saying higher than that, you're capping. You're lying, all right? We, we don't do that over here. We don't cap. Oh, we don't cap over here on the MJ Take Podcast. What are you talking about? We don't cap at Sports Fan Entertainment. Stop capping. You had the Heat as a third seed at best, okay? And that's at absolute best. What do we attribute their success to? Now, a lot of people are attributing it to Jimmy Butler. I think that's Cap. Speaking of Cap, I think that's Cap. I think Jimmy Butler's been playing well. Like, he, I want to say he averaged like 19 and 19.9, like 20 points a game this season. Probably like, you know, six, seven rebounds, four, five assists. Okay, that's well. That's nothing that's incredible. That's nothing that I'm looking at saying, oh, my God, Jimmy Butler was just such a beast in these finals and these playoffs, and that's why, you know, no. No. Let's chill with all of that. They are just a well-oiled machine, a, a, a great conglomerate of talent that is headed by Eric Spolstra. I mean, this is all Eric Spolstra to me, 100%. Especially when you look at a rookie like Tyler Hero, who's able to come in and have his magnificent performance that he had in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Boston Celtics. When you look at a guy like Duncan Robinson, who? Showing up and having the performance that he had in Game 6 in the Eastern Conference Finals. Bam Adebayo. A lot of people had concerns about Bam and how he'd fit in the modern NBA and turning him into one of the most promising young centers in the NBA, finding a solid role for Bam Adebayo in the NBA. There's a reason why Bam fell as long as he did. People think he was not a fit for the NBA. They said, no, he's not a fit. Forget about Bam. And then he delivers one of the greatest blocks in NBA history. This young Miami Heat team that is still 
really anchored by Goran Dragic at the point guard position, having a nice refresh in terms of energy and effort out there offensively. I love what Goran Dragic has been doing for this Heat team. It's just a well-oiled machine. And at last, we can once again appreciate Eric Spolstra, who I always thought was a very talented coach in the NBA, did not get his due when the Heat actually got over and actually won those two rings that they did in the LeBron James era. A lot of people wanted to clown on Eric Spolstra. Look, if you want to clown on Mike Brown when he had LeBron, I'm with you. If you want to clown on who was the guy that got shipped off back to Israel, David, whatever his the David Blatt, or whatever his name was. If you want to hate on David Blatt, go ahead and hate on him. If you want to hate on Tyron Lue, go ahead and hate on Tyron Lue. But of all, if you want to hate on Frank Vogel now, go ahead and hate on Frank Vogel now. But Eric Spolstra was a legitimately good coach when LeBron came. That's why they had some problems, because Eric Spolstra would actually try to coach. Can you believe it? How shocking, how bizarre, that Eric Spolstra would actually try to coach the team. They would actually try to coach LeBron. This is, this is unheard of. What are, you, what are you talking about? Coaching LeBron James? Why would you do this? And that was a point of contention. But Dwayne Wade, there was a reason why Dwayne Wade was always in Eric Spolster's corner. Where he always told LeBron, no, Eric Spolster knows what he's talking about. Because the minute when LeBron went out of there, everyone thought that he were going to sink and stay at the bottom. Everyone thought that he were going to stink. Everyone thought that he were going to tank. That they are going to have to get another big talent before they could compete in the league. But, but, Eric Spolstra held them down. And he kept them afloat. He kept them as either a playoff team or damn near a playoff team. But mostly a playoff team. They made the playoffs, I want to say, almost every year except for one, since LeBron James left. Kept them afloat. Despite, despite the health issues to Chris Bosh. Despite old man Dwayne Wade. He had old man Dwayne Wade having a resurgence in his career at the very end. Remember the highlights Dwayne Wade was trotting out at the very end of his career there in those old school throwback, oh, so nice Miami Heat uniforms? Oh, I remember that one, Chief. I remember those quite well. Eric Spolstra is an absolute beast. But now he faces two beasts in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And for LeBron James, this is a little bit personal. Because I think he looks back on his time in Miami, and I think he looks upon it quite favorably. He won his two titles. He's happy about the two titles that he won. He had fun with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. All that's true. But remember how things ended. It ended with Pat Riley being like, uh, are you crazy? You want to leave me? You want to leave my franchise? Okay, go ahead and see how that works out for you, LeBron. That's disrespectful. That's disrespectful. You don't treat me, Pat Riley, that way. Now, I will tell you this. I think Pat Riley was right. I think if LeBron would have stayed, he'd be just as, success just as successful, if not more. The Heat would have won. He would have been rebuilt, okay, because they would have eventually had to move on from Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade and whatnot. But I, I would have trusted Pat Riley to get talent and for LeBron to have won another ring or two. As he's won one, and I think he's going to win another, to spoil a little bit. But 
Pat Riley did not take into account because Pat Riley is not human, or maybe he used to be, but he definitely lost his human connection now, that it was the hometown connection to Cleveland that really brought LeBron back. Kyrie was nice. But it wasn't Kyrie that really motivated LeBron to go back to Cleveland. God knows it wasn't Andrew Wiggins slash the potential of getting Kevin Love. It was winning that ring for Cleveland. And I'll tell you this, if Pat Riley would have handled the situation better, maybe LeBron would have went back to the Heat after he won a championship with the Cavs. But now that man LeBron James is looking. And he's looking across the court. And he's going to do this every single game. And he's going to see Pat Riley. And he's going to see Eric Spolstra. And the king is going to go off, man. You know, I was prepared. If the Lakers would have faced the Celtics, I was prepared to pick Anthony Davis to be the finals MVP. Forget about it now. It's personal. This is LeBron. Have you seen his Instagram? He's calling this his revenge season. Now, I don't know what he's talking about revenge for, but I think this is what happens. Whenever you're the best player in the league, especially for 15 years, you manufacture vendettas. You just manufacture makeup. Oh, people think I can't do it. And there's some people that don't, granted. But, I mean, come on. Relax. Everyone knows you're great. But he's just manufacturing vendettas. Okay. It works for him. And it's going to work for him. People, I got the Lakers winning this series. Just because of that and that alone. You're talking about LeBron and Anthony Davis and LeBron on a mission. And they're here. They're going to throw everything they got the Lakers. And you know what? I'm going to give them two. I think everything they got, the Lakers are going to give them two. Two games for the Heat against the Lakers. But the Lakers are going to win the other four, baby. Giving LeBron his fourth ring. And we're going to see how contested this ring is over time. But to me, people, it was legitimate. It wasn't as legitimate as it would have been if it would have went through the regular playoffs and there would have been crowds and whatnot. But that would have been an argument if a team we didn't expect to win won. That didn't happen. They went through the Blazers, 4-1. They went through the Rockets, 4-1. They went through the Nuggets, 4-1. The Nuggets struggled on the other side. The Clippers struggled on the other side and got bounced. The Heat struggled on the other side. A little bit, actually, because they only, you know, went to a assist game series with the Celtics. They beat the Bucks in five. I think it's a legitimate championship. And for me, my all-time list... I have Michael Jordan 1. I have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar 2. I can't believe that people still put LeBron over Kareem right now. However, after LeBron wins, because it's happening, LeBron will be my number 2. Because having one less ring than Kareem, the all-time scorer, and five-time NBA champion... Considering how all-around of a player LeBron was and how long of his career it went, yeah, I can then say you're better than Kareem. But I will need one more to say you're better than MJ. And whether or not he gets it, ooh, KD and Kyrie may have something to say about that. So that's going to do it for the MJ Take Podcast here. On September 29, 2020, what were your thoughts on this podcast? Comment down below if you're watching on YouTube. I want to know if you're listening. 
on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever, however you may be listening. Like the podcast, subscribe to it, do whatever you want to it, make love to it. I'm here for it, and I'll be here next week to do it again. All right, guys, this has been MJ for the MJ Tape Podcast, and I'm out. See you all later.